Hi, this is Jonathan, aka Roadblock, and I play Jonathan the Match Muscular, the Human Wizard. Hi, I'm Jules. I am the rock gnome Bernice Q. Burns. Hi, this is John, aka That Film Guy. I'm going to be playing your half orc barbarian, Carlton Tanks, who was in fact raised by wolves and is too enamored of ale, wine, and other intoxicants. Hi, I'm Jack Edithil, and I'm playing Travancore, a half elf archer and the viceroy of Glenmar. And I am Lauren, aka Obocrazy, your humble DM, and welcome to Dungeons and Dragons and Drunks. Ladies and gentlemen, last time on Dungeons and Dragons and Drunks, Greenest is safe. At least for the moment, the mayor, in his gratitude, has blessed the party as official heralds of Greenest. During the ceremony, the party saw strange visions of family and friends and received more personal blessings. Then they were summoned once again, but this time by the blue dragon, Thontorvrak. He let the party know the dragon cultists only had his aid because a valuable object known as the Beloved was stolen from him and was being held ransom for his assistance. If they could get it back from Frule Mondraith and the cultists, he would not just stop helping them, but promised further commissions if the party was interested. And that's where we begin tonight. Welcome to Dungeons and Dragons and Drunks. I'm your DM Lauren, a.k.a. Crazy. And I am drinking some Drew Brew Root Beer, which is in this kind of awesome mug thing. I don't even know how to describe it, but it is a local root beer brewery from Snoqualmie. And I have added the last of my Jack Daniels to it. So it is absolutely delicious. And I love it. Carlton, what are you drinking? I am drinking a Solid Rock Cornerstone Cream Ale from Solid Rock Brewing Company. It is delicious, and it was left over in my beer fridge. They are from Spicewood, Texas, so it is a Texas brew. Yes, that. Important. Leftover beer is always good. <laughs> Travancore, what are you drinking? Hello, enablers. The Viceroy's choice this evening is Pacifico, which is something you drink when you get tired of drinking Corona. Instead of doing the uh, the lime, though, I didn't have any lime, so I put a lemon in there. Still better than a Crispin. Ooh, fighting words. Listen, you don't like Crispin either? do we have to continue I with the no Crispin I have no opinion on Crispin. Really? I just know how much you love it, so I want to hate it. Okay, oh. there. Jenga, haters gonna hate. That's Jonathan, true. what are you drinking? Hi, this is Jonathan. I play Jonathan the Magic Muscular, and tonight I am once again drinking a beer from the Coop Brewery here in Oklahoma City. It is a chai brown ale. So it is a brown ale with chai tea in it, and it's delicious. Also, I am drinking mm. it out of a Game of Thrones goblet. Cultural appropriation! Cultural appropriation! Ah. What? <laughs> he's saying because we're white. No, Actually, he's not even white. He's brown. It's fine. No, brown. specifically because it's chai. <laughs> I'm Indian. Yeah, That's you... not how that works. I'm just going to that out here. As your resident feminist and anthropologist. As not... the resident DM, I'm moving on quickly. <laughs> Bernie, what are you drinking? Um, I'm drinking the same thing I was drinking last week. I've got Lone Rider Shotgun Betty because I only drink apparently during Dungeons and Dragons now and it takes me a long time to go through a beer. <laughs> You're drinking the same beer. It's good beer. Our I'm not mandate is not that it has to be different alcohol every time, just that there is alcohol every time. That's all. Alright. So, you heard the recap. The last thing you guys did the last time we played was go to sleep and take a long rest. Yes, and so you did. should all be full up on your hit points. You should have all your spell slots back. You should have all your hit dice back. As you wake up the next morning... Uh, after a very deep and long sleep, especially after the day you had yesterday and the dreams that you all had, uh, most of you wake up slowly, kind of still mulling over the things that you've kind of discovered within yourself, thanks to these dreams, except for Travancore. Travancore wakes up and immediately feels the need to go downstairs and is drawn to a corner of Leosian's study. It's kind of past the kitchen. He's got a little nook. It's basically just a desk, and he's got a, a small bookshelf. And Travancore, you find yourself unable to stop rifling through Leosian's books, just kind of searching for something, not knowing exactly what you're looking for. And very quickly, within a couple of minutes, you find three books. And at first, you can't read these books. They seem to be in a language that you do not understand. And as you flip through the 
each of the books, just kind of on instinct, not even really knowing what you're looking for, the words clarify and almost come into focus. And suddenly you realize that these are now books that you can read. And so the the three languages that you chose for uh, your your special boon were primordial, undercommon, and sylvan. Wait, primordial like the soup? As in <laughs> like of. elemental. You now can read and understand and speak those languages fluently. And so the rest of you come downstairs not too much longer. I mean, it's it's early morning. You you had decided you wanted to get up, you know, kind of at the beginning of the day. And you find Travancore putting these books back um, that I don't think any of you, none of you speak those languages, correct? Nope. No. Not unless one of them is code for dwarven. <laughs> so he's putting these books back that you don't even, you can't even read, you can't even read the covers of. Hey, sneaker. And it's the morning. What would you like to do? Swiper, hey, no swiping. Uh, I learned something today, you guys. What did you learn? Yeah. What, what'd you learn? Three languages. That's, that's different. Yeah, I don't, it's the strangest thing. I just felt some sort of compulsion to come down here. I didn't know what I was looking for. And then all of a sudden. Um, 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 Jonathan. But we should probably make tracks, yes. right, guys? Yes. I think we should get him checked. Okay. You go low. I'll go high. No, not like that kind of check. Well. Travi, I, I did you get hit on the head recently in any way, shape, or form? Well, you guys are with me all day, so I, as I far as I know, I'm fine. I don't pay as much attention to all of you as I seem. You could have bumped your head in the night. Well, uh, strange things happen. I mean, we live in a pretty weird world. Learning three languages on the spot. I, I feel lot. like I want to go punch things, just saying. I, I just talked to a giant lizard yesterday, so, I mean, weird stuff happens. Let's roll with it. Are we all agreed that if he starts speaking in tongues, we just shoot him, right? Let's not shoot him. Let's we'll be a little nicer Let's about it. Let's magic missile him. I, I, that's on Jonathan. I'll just, I'll just I put. Think that's the decision. I'll just put us. I, I can put him to sleep, Jonathan you guys. Jonathan? I can. Friends, no, don't keep secrets for friends. No kill. No kill. You're you're very good at no putting kill. your teammates to sleep. Bernie, roll a perception check. Okay, I'm gonna roll a perception check. My perception is like off the fucking chains. Uh, except, yes. Except not. It is. Shut okay. up. It's going to be terrible. It is terrible. Well, I have a bonus, but I got a nine. Okay. As far as you can see, he seems fine. He seems like his normal self. It's a little odd that he was reading these books that you can't read, but otherwise looks normal. Can I roll another perception check and just get closer? Like, get up in his face? <laughs> That's not exactly how that works. If you would like to. Yes, can it be, though? Uh, if you are worried about his health, you can roll a medicine check. I'm proficient in that. I would hope so as as a cleric. <laughs> as the healer of our group. Yeah. Let I me think heal I you with my axe. Listen, if any of y'all need an amputation, I'm your guy. Ooh. I got a 21 on health, so let's... Uh, Good. I'm just going to start looking in his ears and nose. Say ah! Say ah! And I stick Have my you asked Travancore to bend down? Because otherwise you're not looking in his ears or his nose. I'm just climbing up on the desk at this point. It's fine. I've got I got the I got two big people who can lift me up. Okay. Travancore, you see Bernie like peering at you intently for a couple of seconds, and she cocks her head to the side, and then she climbs up onto the desk next to you. I like take my fingers and I open his eyeballs. Are you gonna stand there and let her examine you? Yeah, why not? I trust her. I'm doing this because I love you. I love you too, buddy. Hey, I want to go punch things. Yeah, it's fine. I'm gonna go find. Uh, I'm gonna go find Leosian's uh, punching bags. You climb up onto the desk and start to examine Travancore as thoroughly as you can without literally getting him on the ground and stripping him naked. Which Travancore, if you will let her do that, no, you can. But no, it, I don't. Think I didn't so. think so. Appreciate your concern, but no. He submits to a, an examination. You take several moments and all of your healing and medicine skills to look him over, and he seems perfectly healthy and normal. I do five push-ups to celebrate well, my I newfound mean, good health. Well, he's fine. He could still be crazy, though. So At this point, I walk back in from the punching bag in the backyard, and I'm like, guys, if Leosian asks, it got broke during the battle. Okay, that's the thing. I, I think we just keep Operation Nighty Night... In the back pocket. I think so, too. Okay. And I look over to Bernie and I say, crazy? Bernie, it's it's entirely possible that I am crazy. 
but until we can do anything about it, we know for sure there's nothing we can do about it. But Lauren, while you were re-going and they were, she was examining Travancore, I went out, uh, the practice on the punching bag, I rolled a 24 and then I rolled 10 points of damage, so I'm assuming I broke it because it was weak and we're blaming it on the battle. Carlton, you were out back while Bernie was doing the investigating and your punch managed to knock the dummy off its stand and break the, the piece of wood that it was on. And you sheepishly kind of come back into the house. And what would you like to do? Hey, guys, you want to go find Soria and, like, get stuff? Wait, does Soria, Soria have stuff, stuff for us? I thought no, we were... but we, I thought we were going to bring her with us to get stuff. No, no. Like, the plan was we bring this thing back to her. We keep her out of harm's way. Wait, I thought she was coming with us because then she could look at the thing and tell us of the thing. I thought we were going to go grab the thing and bring it back. That's what I thought, too. Thun Torvac only said that a bard would be able to identify his beloved, the object. But there was, as far as I remember, no specific talk about whether you were going to bring her with you or or actually what the plan was. Like, what would you like to do? Where would you like to go? Are you just going straight there? Are you going to go talk to anybody first? What would you like well, to do? Well, I mean, we've been that way before. Let's just... uh Retrace our steps, hopefully with uh, 100% less skirmishers. But, okay, um, so what if we did go get Big Bird? And then, like, what if the guy has duplicates? What if he's, it's like a, he's got like a... Decoy, just in case. Yeah. We take everyone that we find. What if he we has take a decoy all. and we only find the decoy? Well, then, I'm, I mean, I, I think we'll be okay. But if we want to try and talk to Soria... I guess we can see if we can talk her into coming with us. Maybe maybe not in a combat uh, role, but just as something like, hey, Soria, stay here. We're going to be right back. And then we can like, we we can make a signal for her to, to when it's safe to enter, we can go like, caca, caca. Or is that racist? That's incredible. I think that's racist. a little racist. <laughs> I think that's like saying ching chong bing bong. I think that's like really racist. <laughs> I don't know. We'll ask Soria. We'll 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 have Soria teach us a bird call, an authentic uh, uh, Eric Cochran bird call. Sure. Yeah, surprised you didn't learn Eric Cochran. Eh, you know she speaks common. All right, let's go find Soria. Okay, so you leave Leojin's house. It's still pretty early in the day. Where are you heading to go find the her? Running King? I should ask. Or right? you want to go to the keep? Uh, why don't? Because that was the refugee okay, camp. Okay, since this is not a fight, let's. Split the party, and that way we can, and we'll, so we'll both go to the Running King and the Keep, and then meet back here with or without Asoria. I'll go to I'll the go Running to King. The I will go to the Running King. I'm just gonna, um, what was that place that served the blood pies? The blood pie? <laughs> Bernie, do you want to go to, to, to brunch? I'll go to brunch. You guys find Big Bird. I say we send Shadow with with uh with Bernie. Nope. That way nope. they could have buddy brunch and the idea of a bear eat at sitting at a table eating a blood pie with a dainty little little mug is just so adorable to me. Oh. <laughs> this just sounds like we're wasting more time and yeah, we are. all the more reason. You know, let's let's see Shadow where he is. We only need him when we head out of town. Let him let him just rack, hang out with Reggie for a little bit and we'll check out the two places or three places. Bernie, save me an apple for brunch. Yeah, they don't serve apples at Blood Pie Place, but that's cool. I'll save you some blood. How about grab me that? A, uh, grab me a hair pie to go. Grab me yeah. a blood pie. That's cool. All right. Bernie takes your orders and heads over to Blood Pie. It's uh, in. It's kind of near the, the market where the a lot of the restaurants are. And sadly, as you approach, you find that it is closed. It's taken a lot of damage from the attack. It looks like a lot of the actual restaurants and taverns in this area are half destroyed. Some of the fires that you'd seen before seem to have been coming from some of these locations. It looks like in the ransacking of this town, the the taverns and the the places where people were spending their money took the worst hit. So it is sadly closed. Uh, as you look around, if you want to roll me a perception check, I'll tell you what you see. I don't know how good I am at that. You're at least six. Seventeen. 
Excellent. You actually see that there is uh, only one place nearby that is still open. It's called 21 Acres. It is a supply store and basically a farm outlet. And you've never actually been in the place before, but it does seem to be open. And you do see there's several people out this early in the morning, you know, seeming to be trying to get back into a, a normal routine. And you see people going on in there if you'd like. I'll go in there. Okay, you head on inside. The place is actually fairly untouched from what you can see. It doesn't look like there was really any looting, mostly because a lot of the stuff that you see is basic farm equipment and feed supplies. There's not really a lot of human food or, you know, other other race food. You do see several people wandering around and you do smell something that smells really good. It, you smell breakfast, which is weird. And as you kind of make your way to the back where the smell is coming from, you find that there's kind of a makeshift kitchen that's been set up. There there looks to be like a, a, a stove and a countertop it have always been there, but it's kind of been expanded and there's a couple of extra tables. You see about 15 people, all farm gear, farm farmers, sitting down, eating what looks like a fairly hearty breakfast. Um, you see eggs and bacon and ham being cooked on this on the skillet. You see porridge being served and some some juices being handed out. There's a, a kindly old woman. She's got fairly stringy blonde hair, fairly rotund. She's got a, a big smile on her face and she says dear have you come for breakfast yes definitely excellent excellent and she grabs a plate there's what looks like five or six just simple plates sitting there that have been already preloaded with two eggs some sausage some toast and a, and a slice of ham she grabs that she hands it to you she hands you a bowl of uh some of the the porridge and she says please take a seat help yourself we just we just you know want you to be comfortable oh thanks um can you do me a favor and put like um four more of those in like a box so and i'll to go oh dear i didn't expect you to have quite that large of an appetite i just have large friends oh okay comparatively i guess well no one of them is just large like compared to everyone if they weren't able to make it in then we'll we'll see what we can scrounge up why don't you go ahead and have a seat and we'll see what we can do Okay, that sounds good. Like, just like a box, though. <laughs> she says, mm. give me give me a little bit of time and I'll see what I can wrestle up. And she starts to give some instructions to people. She It looks like she's trying to figure out how to put some of this food in the in in a to-go box they're they're really not equipped for this but she's doing her best um meanwhile she's kind of indicated to you to have a seat at one of the tables with your serving okay cool i will have a seat and i will start eating my breakfast and chilling and i'll look around and i'll be like hey has anybody seen like a bird lately like a big bird that plays the lute most of the gentlemen and ladies around you they all seem to be kind of hardened farmers digging into their meal the few that actually look up to pay attention to you or their mouths are filled with with eggs and bacon and sausage and and they just shake their head and go back to their go back to their meal well that's my job done <laughs> While you're waiting for your to-go basket, Travancore and Jonathan, I think they were heading to the Running King, and Carlton, you're going to the keep? Yes, correct. I am going to the keep. So, Carlton, you head on up to the keep, and as you approach the main gate, there's the standard guards out front. One sees you coming, and uh, he gives you kind of a very weak smile and knocks on the door behind him. And almost as soon as he's done knocking, the doors open up and Terrace comes walking out and sees you and says, Ah, good. You're up. So are we off then? Yes, we will be off shortly. We are just, we've came to, we've come to grab you and we're going to look. Have you seen Soria? We're going to have, uh, invite her along as well. Uh, the bard? No, I. Yes, our, our bird bard friend. I haven't seen her since yesterday. I've just been busy getting the getting the scouts reports and getting our our, our little party together and she indicates 
to look behind her. And you see now that uh, off to the side where the courtyard is are about 20 other guards. They all seem to be finishing up putting on armor. They all seem to be in fairly good health. Terrace turns back to you and says, we'll be gathering the horses in a few minutes. Where would you like us to meet you? Uh, let's let's meet in the market. Let, we'll, we'll get there in the market. Okay. And uh, make sure Tim's with you. He's he's proven himself. I want to make sure he gives him a chance to really shine. Uh, sadly, Tim is not joining us. Ah. Uh, he, and she kind of, she looks around for a moment and then steps away from the guards that are standing right there to give you a little bit of privacy. She says, so Escobert has let me choose the finest of our our soldiers who are still capable of fighting today. And uh, as much as we all really like Tim, um, he would be a little outclassed. Okay. So I like it. You know, your you know, your employees better than I do. Uh, he just, he showed very good uh, presence the other day. And I wouldn't do, would like to have given him the chance to shine and prove himself a little more. But if you think he is not ready, then I trust your judgment. I appreciate you trusting my judgment because my judgment is what is going to save your backside when it is attacked. So will these pants. I have pants now. I appreciate your pants. Either way, I will be meeting you with, with the rest of my men at the, the market in just a short while. We, we should get going. It is a long ride to where the cultists are, and we don't know what we're going to find. Sounds good. Uh, can you make sure you have uh, four extra horses for us, riding horses? As you know, we only usually travel with a pack horse. <laughs> of of course, we weren't expecting you to walk. That that'd be odd. I even had to go scrounging for a war horse that was your size. Yeah, I'm a biggin. You're yes, you are. All right, I, I will meet you Several in the market. Minutes I will in the market. Expect you shortly. And she heads back inside. Travancore and Jonathan. The two of you head to the Running King, and when you arrive, you try the door and you find it locked. Huh? Are you that surprised though, Jonathan? Uh, not especially. I was kind of hoping that they would come along, but it doesn't sound like that's in the cards. That's too bad. And while we have this moment, I want to apologize for my behavior yesterday. It was unbecoming of Viceroy. Should have trusted your instinct. We've been friends for a long time. Yes. Keep that in mind going forward. <laughs> I shall. <laughs> Apology accepted. As you talk from inside the Running King, you hear some movement, and then... The window next to the door, the shutters are pulled back, and you see Dorveen poke her her head into the window. She sees you, and she goes to the door. You hear several locks unlocking, and she opens the door a bit. She doesn't usher you inside, uh, but she does open up to greet you, and she says, "Um, If you were hoping to get some breakfast or something, I'm very sorry. It's been... With everything that happened yesterday, I've just been unable to get anything prepared, and I I didn't want to make anybody come in this morning when everyone's concerned about their families and, I, and everything. I, I hold up my hand. I hold up my hand. And I'm like Dorveen, It's it's perfectly okay. We know you have stuff to do. Uh, however, we were looking for Soria. Uh, has she been in? Do you know where? Do you know where she hangs out generally? I she's here. She's asleep downstairs though i the tale that she told me about this dragon is frankly if it wasn't coming from her i'm not sure that i would believe it well along with that tale it appears that only a bard can tell us whether what whether what we're looking for is actually what we're looking for and given how clever some of these cultists have been we don't want to take any chances by going all the way out there and then ending up with a fake so we were hoping that soria could accompany us uh, and if she's not up to fighting that's fine she can stay with the vanguard and and we can um and we can just bring the artifact to her once we've cleared out the camp and darvin nods and says okay well Hold hold on here just a moment. Let me let me go get her and see if she is okay for for anything. And she leaves the door open, but heads to the back. You see her walk to the back area behind the counter, and she's only gone a few moments before you hear a little bit of a ruckus, and then the two of them come back out. You see both Soria and Dorveen. Soria is very quickly putting on a pack. She seems to be grabbing something. She says, yes, of course, of course I'm going to come with them. What do you think? I've, I've been preparing for this thing all night. I've, of course. I, if, if, and she arrives at the door and she says, good, 
good. I was afraid you were going to leave me behind. I wasn't even sure what was going to happen. I wasn't even sure if I was going. But if you want me there, I'm there. I'll... Uh, everything. I'm there. I've, I mean... I just got told by a dragon that I'm supposed to go do things, so I'm going to go do things. Awesome. Well, we'll wait for you to get ready, and uh, and then we're going to head back to meet uh, meet up with everyone. Yeah. I'm I'm ready. Right. I'm ready. I'm ready right now. And Doreen says, she's, you you are exhausted. Are you sure that you are up to this? And Soria nods at her and says, I wouldn't miss this for anything. I'm not, I'm not, I'm going. I'm absolutely going. And she steps out of the door. And Doreen says, well... I will wish you luck. I will wish you all the gods help, whatever they think. And I will be here to patch you up when you come back. Well, we will return with all speed. And I, uh, I, I give them both a deep bow. And I, I, I look Dorveen in the eye for a little longer than I probably should. And then uh, we turn around to go. You see Dorveen has dark circles under her eyes. She looks tired she is no longer injured uh she was uh she is obviously healed and rested but she looks weary and she holds your gaze and gives you kind of a small smile and then closes the door as you guys walk off and you can very clearly hear her double and triple locking the door as you leave and soria is almost bouncing up and down with kind of nervous energy and says so so this is this is the cultist camp we're just gonna i mean i could fly there i could get there really quick but i don't think you guys are gonna want to fly that seems unpractical that seems you don't have wings do you that's nope. not a thing uh, no nope. <laughs> not yet anyway i lost my wings in vice race school it takes only a couple minutes for all of you to meet back up in the center of town. As you get to the marketplace, you find Bernie is just arriving. She has been laden down with a giant box that has what looks like grease stains on the side of it. And she's barely able to make it into the center of town before she has to put this box down. And, and Bernie, this is the... The breakfast that you ordered. I brought food. Everybody grab. Um, I didn't bring food. As you open up the box, you'll see that the the woman that had been talking to you basically has found a box big enough to put four servings of you know these these basic tin plates that she was serving eggs and sausage and t and the whole nine yards, and she just piled four plates full into this box and handed it to you. So everything you need is in the box. Everybody take a plate. I start walking up and I'm like, "Hey friends, I didn't find Soria, but I found this," and I point to the horizon behind me. You found the sun? Good job, buddy. I was, I was hoping this would have been a lot cooler. I'm, I'm really proud of you, Carlton, because we haven't covered sunrises yet. Which way are you pointing, Carlton? Behind me towards the keep. Okay. As you point behind you towards the keep, it, it there's a keep. Y'all look up in that direction, and there's a keep. <laughs> I'm a little off on my timing, but I promise you, it would have been cool. Okay. And Soria speaks up at this point, uh... Bernie, you weren't expecting extra people, and you haven't really said anything, but she has already come up to the box. No, I said four. Four is four. I included Soria. I just didn't expect the dwarf and her friends. Everybody, You don't know fast. about the dwarf and friends yet. The dwarf and her friends aren't here just yet. Anyway, Soria has grabbed a plate and has already devoured both of the sausages and has um, grabbed the the toast and the bowl of porridge, and then gingerly placed back the eggs. And she's munching on some stuff as Carlton is doing this dramatic pointing, and then says, Oh, you mean Terrace, over there! And she kind of points off to the right a little bit, and as you look, you see Terrace arriving. Um, she is leading 20 men and women, all in the armor, Carlton, that you saw, on horseback, and they have four other horses with them. That that was supposed to happen 30 seconds ago. How badass would that have been if I was right? Well, um... I take my food and I start shoveling it in my mouth. Food. Everybody <laughs> eat very fast! <laughs> I take my plate and I eat as I walk. Yeah, I do, I do the same. I gotta get Shadow at some okay. point, though, right? If you would like to have swung by Leosians to go pick up All Shadow... Okay, perfect. Yeah, that's, that's that perfectly... Did you want to bring Reggie as well? Uh, uh, let's, I don't think we need we to, right? We kind of left... We abandoned her, her last time. I think we have enough horses to strap, too. 
Yeah. yeah. Let's let's let her rest. All right. Let's bring something nice back for Reggie, though. Like yeah. some bacon. <laughs> Horses don't eat bacon, Bernie. You don't know that. I'm a ranger. I, I'm in one with nature. I, I have a pretty good idea, but the horses Make do not eat bacon. Make a nature check to see if horses eat bacon. I will. Do it. Go ahead and roll a na- Bernie, you roll a nature check as well. Ooh. <laughs> I actually don't get a bonus for nature, which is I hilarious. I don't either. <laughs> this is going to be too bad. I do. Hold on. I got this. No, you're not in wow. there. You're not in there. This is me and Travancore, and statistically, I, I am I'm right. Like five for nature. <laughs> I got I'm an 18. Right. I got it. Now I just okay. I just want Travancore and Bernie. Travancore, what's your nature roll? I rolled a one because I'm one with nature. And Bernie, what'd you roll? Thirteen. Okay, Carlton and Jonathan is the two of you shovel food into your mouth, and they have this argument. Travancore is adamant that no horses do not eat bacon, but Bernie is so impassioned about this that he's beginning to question himself (laughs) that maybe she's right. I mean, Travancore, you've studied a lot of nature, but you've never really studied horses because you've never really thought too much about them. And frankly, you've never even owned a horse until Reggie. Maybe Bernie's right? Bernie goes to the box and gets a piece of bacon and goes over to one of the horses and just tails it out. Your doubt manifests in this weird British voice that says, what if horses ate bacon? (laughs) And then you call that voice an idiot. Bernie, as you walk over to basically Terrace and her her party, another one of the guards comes forward leading these four horses. And Terrace says, the, obviously the war horse is for Carlton. I, and she, she's looked over at Soria and she says, I, w- I wasn't expecting Soria, but I'm, I'm hoping maybe one of you can share. I don't know. I don't know. mind sharing. I was about to say, Travancore is probably the best for sharing. <laughs> and Soria has started to open up her wings, and Travancore, you actually hear her saying, but I can... Fu- uh, sure, I'll ride with Travancore. And she quickly just goes back to eating her toast. Bernie, you approach the horse with the sausage, and I'd love you to roll me an animal handling check. Oh, God. Wait, is it my horse? Because I'm assuming it's a palfrey if it's my horse. Uh, sure. Oh, it can be a palfrey. You know I get, like, a plus to animal handling? It's wisdom. Yes. I got a 10. Well, you walk up to this gorgeous horse. It is maybe a little bit smaller than the others due to, you know, in deference to your size, but it is still a horse. They haven't gotten you a pony or anything. Pet her on the side of the neck a little bit. She seems friendly enough. You hold out the sausage and the horse sniffs it and gives you a look and ignores it. Come on. I knew it. Although I didn't for a while. You didn't see this. It's sausage, not bacon. It's a good point. (laughs) All right. Tara says, we should really get going if we want to make good time and asks you to mount up and get going. Yeah, no more horsing around. Ah, my boy. (laughs) Good damn it, Travancore. (laughs) I'm writing that down. I want to put the sausage in my pocket for later. Sure. Write down one sausage. <laughs> Dungeoneer's pack All right. and the sausage. So the horses are brought forward. Travancore and Jonathan, you've got some, some very nice horses. And Carlton has brought forth a war horse. He's been stripped of most of his armor. Um, but this is still kind of a, a powerful beast. It, it looks like he's big enough to hold you. As you get onto the horse, um, I need you to make a constitution saving throw. All right. Oh, my God. No, I'm going to come back. 17. Okay. Uh, your stomach and your intestines rumble quite upset. And you do remember that you haven't actually had a bowel movement in a very long time. But something about the, ma- the majestic horse that you have been offered manages to prevent you from literally soiling the moment and you get on the horse i look at my friends around me i kind of stand up i straighten up my back i put my hands on my hips i go i'm on a horse (laughs) and terrace nods and says good because we ride and she leads the way and what was 
before a fairly long journey. It took most of the day to get to where, you know, the cultist camp was at least a little while ago. Now on horseback, riding at a good canter, um, trying to stay... She's Terrace has a map and is obviously consulting it on a regular basis and seems to know exactly where she is going. Jonathan, with your memory, you're able to verify pretty accurately that she's sticking pretty straight north and right towards where you remember the camp to be. It only takes a couple of hours to get close to the camp. As you're within about a mile, Terrace slows down, slows everybody down. She dismounts and kind of calls everybody up. You're beginning to see way off in the distance the remnants of this camp and some smoke, but you you haven't really seen anybody yet. You haven't encountered any patrols, which seems a little odd, although everybody's been wary for it. And Tara says, so our scouts have said that most of those who have survived from the cultist camp are still here, but none of them have we're able to stay for very long. So we, we don't have any updated information from the last couple of hours. So we should probably approach cautiously. I don't know whether you actually got inside the camp at all. Did you manage that the last time you were we here? We did not. I, I say to Terrace, do you have a, did your scouts make a map or anything? <laughs> Terrace says, I have a very rough map from the last time our scouts were here just before the attack. And she has been looking kind of at a, a, a general area map. She reaches into her pocket and pulls out another piece of parchment that is obviously a very quick sketch in a shaky hand. And it seems to show a fairly large encampment, um, about 60, 70 tents, all of varying sizes, kind of going up the crest of this hill, and a entrance to a cave that is on the western side that seems to be hidden by the, the uprise of this this hill that you guys had seen from afar before. And Terrace points to a couple of places and says, there's usually some guard towers with guards in them here, here, and here. And she points to three corners, basically a triangle over the actual campsite. She points to a larger tent on the northern side and says, and we think this might be where the leaders of the cult have been staying, but... And then she points over to the cave entrance that's on the western side and says, but... They had seen many members, high-ranking members, including that dragon creature that you dispatched, going in and out of this cave on a regular basis. Can we sneak around to that cave entrance? Like, and I mean, I mean, the four of us, uh, Terrace and and her regulars, we may need for something else. <gasps> we can flank with a group. It would be difficult, but not impossible. And when you mention this, Terrace says. Depending on how many people have survived, my my men could not necessarily take on everybody, but we could certainly provide an adequate distraction if that's what you're well, thinking. Well, what do you? I, I asked Terrace. You're the more military, militarily leaning of of all of us here. Like, and, and I, I'm slurring a little because I'm a little drunk. But um, I I'm like, do you? Would it be better if we all went in and then we we four broke off and made a break for the cave or would it do you feel like it would be better if we if you guys if if like we we stealth the cave and then like five minutes after we left you attack and then and then do it that way which do you think would be better terrace thinks for a moment and says if even a quarter of the army that they initially attacked with are still alive and in this camp then it would be futile to do a direct attack. We will be quickly overwhelmed by their numbers, at least. If we can manage to offer a distraction and disengage to let you stealth into that cave, that that might be a better option. I, I would like to get a better look at this camp so that I have some better idea of numbers before we, we make any decisions. Okay, let's, yeah, let's, let's reconnoiter for a bit and then we can, we can go and do our thing. Do our thing. You guys remount your horses. Terrace leads you a little bit north uh, west at this point, staying towards the 
where the cave side would be and you guys are going fairly slowly it's it's almost a walk with the horses everybody's keeping an eye out a couple of the scouts in her party of 20 about four of them have broken off and have started to do uh, a little bit of ranging maybe about 80 90 uh feet away uh doing a little bit of circling and the one who has gone the furthest north is the first to come back and says, I, I I think you should see this. Uh, this is not at all what we expected. And Terrace rides forward with this guard. Do you guys want to follow? Yeah. 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 Okay, you guys spurn your horses forward. He, this guard leads you a good hundred yards closer to the camp, really without worry about noise or being... Um, spotted or anything and as you kind of crest over this small hill that has kept you hidden from the camp you see why now the camp is in shambles and there is an active fight going on and i need you all to roll me perception checks okay what? uh carlton i'm stinking up these rolls being that i am seven foot and on top of this giant warhorse, i i see with an unnatural 20 okay travancore and Shadow. 17 for Travancore, 9 for Shadow. And Jonathan? Uh, 7. I also got a 7. So all four of you very easily see that there is a massive fight going on in the middle of this camp. There are pockets of intense sword fighting, just dozens and dozens and dozens of people everywhere. You hear yelling and shouting. You see arrows flying. Uh, Carlton and Travancore, you're able to discern enough detail and pick out enough of the patterns of movement of how certain beings are moving throughout the camp to notice that this is this is a fight along party lines these are the human cultists versus the cobalts in the camp and it's bloody the humans are much more powerful and well much better armored and have some mages in their group and seem to be doing a better job of sticking together and attacking in, in a much more organized manner but there are maybe twice as many kobolds in this army in the scattered remains of this army than there are humans and so on a regular basis as you see parties clashing even though the humans seem to be holding their own in general, they're being overwhelmed by sheer numbers. And it is bloody. And nobody is looking in your direction. Well, uh, let's saunter over to the camp then. We'll, we'll let uh, Terrace, if you want to have, like, put an OP, an observation post here just to kind of keep track of things, I think the rest of us can just uh, walk on over to the cave. Yeah, sound the horn if uh, they start coming our way. That sounds good. Uh, she turns to the guard who had originally ridden forward with you and nods to him. He gets off the horse and obviously kind of takes up position. There's a, she goes back to the rest of her crew and starts to give orders. And you can see a perimeter is being set up. And as you guys move forward, they're moving to basically flank with you and is your goal to head directly to the cave? Are you heading anywhere else? No, let's just go right to the cave, right? Beeline, I mean, we don't... Beeline to the cave. Yeah. Cave. Are you going to try to avoid any fights you see? Or are you going to actively go after them? Or are you just going to ride through them? Uh, I don't feel like there's a need to fight anyone at this point. Yeah, let's just go to the cave. Like, they're, they're pretty busy fighting each other. I mean, exactly. let, well, let's, let's ride through and we'll keep an eye out for... For our homegirl, but uh, but otherwise, yeah, we'll let these schmucks kill each other. So you guys head into the camp. There's still 14 of the original guards plus Terrace with you, kind of, let, let's say, at a, at a slow canter heading into the camp. You don't encounter any resistance right away. As you start to weave through some of the tents, you do see um, off to your right, there are two or three pockets of fighting going on, and Terrace kind of speeds up to avoid those people. But now directly in front of you, you can see about 300 feet away is 
the dark entrance to the cave going into the hillside. But right in front of that cave entrance, there does seem to be a battle going on. There seems to be about five humans all in a protective stance in front of the cave entrance and about 10 kobolds are just throwing themselves at them. There doesn't seem to be any spellcasters in the group. Everybody seems to just spears and swords and screaming. You hear one of the humans yelling out, um, get, get back. We told you that we'll try again later. And you hear the kobolds, for those of you who speak draconic, you hear the kobolds yelling, uh, Death to the infidels! Thunderbeck says they must die! Do you want to just keep riding forward? How, how, do, how do I, um, how do you, I guess I shouldn't yell death to the infidels. It's up to you. What would you like to do? I think Bernie is itching to have her friends who speak draconic tell her how to say death to the infidels in draconic. I, I tell her, and I get, say, I say it slowly. It's like, nor tavin, nor Tavine. Oh, your pronunciation's terrible. It's Nor Tavine. Nor Tavine? How about Hail Tiamat? How do you say that in Draconic? I tell her how to say Hail Tiamat in Draconic. <laughs> Savarte Tiamat. Is this real? Are you Googling this or are you just making this shit up? Oh, absolutely not. I'm making this shit up. Okay. I'm I'm gonna roll. I was thinking, what, what would I need to roll if I wanted to, like, in my best Colbot voice, yell, Back to the infidels! Considering you don't speak draconic, it's going to take a fairly... I, I'd say it's going to be a persuasion roll because you're you're not trying to deceive them. You really want them to do what you're asking, but you don't speak draconic, and these are not your friends. Well, so. well uh, oh. Well, I was going to say that uh, that I actually taught... Bernie, the the phrase in Draconic. Yes, but like any language that you're not fluent in, you you can learn a phrase, you know, very fairly quickly and and sound fairly convincing in it. But it does take being fluent to be able to sound like you're really speaking it and not just, you know, being a parrot. Uh, Bernie, with an eight, you say the words, especially since I believe that's a natural one that you rolled. You say the words... And you say them loudly and with confidence. And you see uh, Travancore and Jonathan, you're you're the two that speak Draconic? Yo. Yes. You see the two of them, like, deflate in their in, in their saddles a bit. I, like, look at them, like, smiling. I'm like, yes! And-, and Travancore and Jonathan, you know for a fact that very loudly and very proudly, she just announced <laughs> that she is a crow. <laughs> <laughs> Let me... Roll something real quick here. Rut row. Oh, yeah. Nobody looks at you. <laughs> okay, thank God. <laughs> there, uh, as you shout this out, it is just lost in the din of the fighting that is about, as I said, uh, it's about a hundred feet away from you at this point, and the, they they did nobody heard anything. Nobody's even looking in your direction. And Terrace turns to you and says, "Was that a?" challenge were you challenging them what i mean we can attack if you really want to but i i i would like to at least know what you're challenging them for i could say something in dwarven if you'd like bernie i like your idea i'd like to try it since i'm a fluent draconic speaker uh roll me a persuasion check okay do do do. i have i have a bonus to this now it's even persuasiver i had a bonus too look where that got (laughs) me 23 so what i'm saying is Cut down the treasoners! We are sent by Thunderback! They are keeping us from fulfilling his will! Cut the betrayers down! Did you call them treasers? Betrayers. Like treasers made of trees? Let's see how well I said it. With a 23, you would also have said Thunderback's name correctly. <laughs> but yes, you, you sit up straight in your saddle, you put on your most commanding voice, and you call this out over the din in perfect draconic. Several of the kobolds turn to look at you, and half of them are a little confused, because they totally agree with what you're saying, but you're not a kobold. Uh, that's a little weird. The other half are so caught up in what almost looks like religious fervor that they immediately turn back to the humans and are just, yes! Yes! Death to the infidels! Ah! 
and they throw themselves at the human with m- even more gusto. What would you like to do? Can we like just have all like future dragons and PCs be like named something like Alan Jefferson just to make it easy? <laughs> <laughs> you can ask Thontor Vrak what where his name comes from. The dragon Alan <laughs> Jefferson. I want to go. Hail Tiamat! And the fighting still continues. Uh, it looks like if you, at, as you continue to just kind of sit back and watch, very slowly, the, the few humans are being overwhelmed by the kobolds. And Soria speaks up at this point and says, I'm not sure if we should be helping or waiting or helping the other side or just trying to kill them all. Should we be killing them all? That sounds horrible when I say that. Uh I, I vote for kill them all because my bloodlust is increasing. I, I want to smash things. Here's the thing. Can, can, Jonathan, can I go smash things? Thing, I think there's a pill for that. They see themselves as servants of Thondorfrak, right? They, they pledge loyalty to them. We're actually sent by the guy. We have the truth on our side for once in our lives. So we kill the humans inside with the kobolds for now. All right. So you guys are going to charge forward? I mean, it's not a race thing. They're both evil yeah. fucks. But I say we... we, we we can't take them all at once, so let's side with the kobolds who are kind of believing our stuff because they're not that smart. Okay. You relay this plan to Terrace, who nods and says, wait here. Let's not get too involved in this fray just yet. And motions to some of the guards that have joined you guys on this expedition. She, she motions actually to five of them who pull their horses up and pull out longbows. And on her command to cut down the humans that are in front, they fire. And it's only a few minutes with the additional, uh, the aid of your your guard friends from Greenest before these humans in front of the, the cave are just completely slaughtered. They weren't really standing too much of a chance. And then with you guys throwing your lot behind the cobalts, they're just very quickly cut down. As they fall, several of the kobolds immediately rush off, not into the cave, uh, but towards another group of fighting that you can see kind of further up the hill towards the, the main pavilion tent that Terrace was describing to you. But a couple of them approach you. They're wary and they're holding swords and they say, why did you want to help us? Um, I say to Jonathan and Travancore, Indraconic, tell them that Thontorvac sent us as his private militia to speak with Furlam. Yeah, and I say that. I say, greetings. I we are we are at uh, at of this moment agents of the great Thontorvac, and we are here to speak to what was her name again? Furlam. Really, Furlam Mondath. Alan Jefferson. Yes, we are here to to deal with Furlam Mondath and. And you guys, you guys have done great. Thontorvac is pleased. And he would like you to continue the fight by killing those guys over there. And I point to the nearest group of humans. Go ahead and roll me a persuasion check. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Uh, It's not good. You don't get a bonus? I do. It's a six. So with your six, the cobalt that was just talking to you gives you kind of a a squinty-eyed look and says, These other humans say that they work for Thontorvrak too, but then they want us to abandon this town. They want us us to abandon our dragon god. And the other uh, cobalt and me are like, Ah! Why should we believe you? Okay. I, I jump in at this point and say, why would your dragon god want you to abandon him? Who's to be believed here? These infidels who are attacking you right now? Or the, we who are Thunderbrack sent? Go ahead and roll me a persuasion check. Eight. <laughs> With my bonus. As this conversation is going on, you see that um, Terrace has pulled out her warhammer and the guards, because it, it seems like none of them really understand Draconic. Or, or at least most of them don't. And so they're getting a little nervous. And as this conversation is going on, most of them have pulled weapons and the air is getting more and more tense. And um, oh, the cobalt that's been chatting with you says, you did help us. Well, what did he want us to do again? I say he infidels. wanted death to the infidels. In specific, those infidels over there. Oh, shit, that's my persuasion check, 25. 
So they've been kind of squinty eyed looking back and forth from Travancore to Jonathan and Travancore to Jonathan. Bernie, in her excitement, despite the fact that she doesn't speak draconic at yeah, all. Yeah, but I got that one phrase. <laughs> says in common what she just said. Fortunately, the kobolds actually speak common. And so as she excitedly proclaims her um, her devotion to, to uh, Tiamat and her the death of the infidels and points off at a very large fight that's going on off to the east with just what looks like dozens of people, her fervor ignites the, the pent-up kind of tenseness that was in these kobolds and they immediately all raise their their weapons into the air and go yes death to the infidels and rush rush off in that direction as one screaming incoherently uh weapons raised in the air you see the one that was chatting with you originally leaps off the ground short sword in both hands to plunge it into the back of one of these cultists as they join the fray and for the moment the entranceway to this cave stands empty you're welcome we go cavewards let's go spelunking you move up to the cave and dismount. The The horses are just not going to be able to, to enter this cave without basically being single file. The entranceway looks to be only about 10 to 15 feet wide. Terrace moves up and takes the horses and orders her guards to set up a perimeter and says, try to be quick. We'll hold them off as long as we can. I don't know how long that, that bluff will last. Uh, 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 Jason, come here, come here, come here. And she pulls one of the guards forward and says he's he's the only one i know who speaks draconic so we'll we'll see what we can do out here but uh, go do what you have to do as a terrace that bluff will last forever let me tell you what if i had pamphlets we would have converted them all and terrace smiles a bit and said if you had pamphlets you would have converted me little one and Soria speaks up and says, do I stay or do I go? Do I go with you? Do you want me to come? I say, Soria, stick around out here. Uh, stay with Terrace. Stay safe. And uh, and we'll be back. And she nods and says, okay, good. Because I speak Draconic too. So I, I can help. I can help with that. Uh, I'm, I'm actually a very good bluffer. I'm very good at bluffing. Yeah. I'm okay at bluffing. Maybe it's good with her to come for us. She can come with us. That was not words. Very good. <laughs> That's I'm okay. Not You're not very smart. Yeah, I have low intelligence and high alcohol. All right, Soria has moved to stand next to Jason, who seems to be the other uh, <laughs> person who speaks Draconic that Terrace introduced you to. And uh, what would you guys like to do? I say we go into the cave. To the cave! To cave the cave! Board. All right, you enter the opening to this cave. As I said, it's about 15 feet wide. What's your marching order as you go into the cave? I go. I'm actually going to take point. Or, I, I'll, I'll go in front this time. I usually hang out. You go there. front. You go front sides. Okay, Travancore first. Who wants to be next? You, you can basically go two by two at this point, point oh, of the cave. Travi, you want to go arm in arm? We can be buddies. Oh, we can be ar- cave buddies. I'm good with that. Cave buddies. Okay. Yeah. Spellcaster row is best row. Yes. Also row that doesn't get hit first. And Shadow will bring up the rear, I guess? Yeah. Um... All right. You guys go about... 15 feet into this cave before it very quickly starts to curve off to the right. You can actually see fairly well there are torches in uh, holders pounded into the wall at regular intervals, and they do seem to still be burning fairly brightly. So none of you have any problem seeing. As you come around the corner, you can see that you've reached essentially a Y junction. The cave goes for about 50 more feet in front of you it's still it widens a little bit so it, it turns into about a 25 foot opening and then it branches off to the right and to the left and you don't see anyone um or hear anyone specifically what would you like to do i cast light on my staff okay you cast light and poof, there it is the cave it was lit up by this ruddy torchlight before and now it is also very brightly lit can I do a perception check to see which way I think we should go? Uh, sure. Roll me a perception check. 13. Uh, you can't really see any distinct path. The 
the right path and the left path both curve in their respective directions, so you, you can't see around those corners. And as you look at the stone floor, it, it's a rock-littered stone floor, so you're you're kind of unsure about which way to go. Can Since I spent many time in the woods with my wolf family hunting and tracking, can I do a survival check to see if I could pick up on the trail? Let me see, a survival check? Yeah, like looking for like animal tracks, as there were, or human tracks. That that more be a perception check. Survival is going to be about. Does it, it works either way? I'm proficient in both. I just want to jazz it up a bit. Yeah, I, I understand where you're coming from, but uh, survival is for a slightly different skill set. Right. But give me a perception check. I'll do perception. It's all good, baby. It's all good. It's all good. Uh, seventeen. Okay. With a 17, you're studying the ground intently, kind of looking for tracks, and you don't really see any tracks until you notice that you don't see any tracks. And you glance about a little bit more, and you notice that the middle of this part of the, the, the cave, kind of this 50 feet before it splits into two directions, looks like it hasn't been disturbed in a while. And as you take a closer look, you're pretty sure that... While you don't recognize any specific tracks, the ground has been disturbed on the right and the left side of these caves, of this cave, but not in the middle. Hmm. That's peculiar. I relay this information to my party. I, I say we stick to the right or left. Maybe there's traps in the middle. Yeah. I agree. Okay. Are you basically just going down to where the junction is that's going to lead in either direction? Yeah. Yes. Okay. And you're sticking with the right side or the left side or both? I don't think we should split. We should... Uh, I'll stick on the right side. Right. Yes. Right side sounds good. Carlton, as you point this out, you can see, yeah, there's about a five-foot section of the wall on either side of this 50-foot stretch of cave that has been disturbed on a regular basis. And now that it's been pointed out, you can kind of see it. Travancore is able to guide Shadow, and you're very easily able to just walk along the wall. Nothing seems to happen. You get to a point where, Carlton, you can see that the the ground has been disturbed in the middle of the floor again, and you've reached kind of the end of the section of the cave where it's now branched off. You still can't see far enough down either path to decide which way to go, but you're on the other side of this 50-foot section of cave. Guys, I think we made it to the other side. Yay! Would you like to go left or right? Can I perceive which one looks more worn? Uh, yeah, roll me another perception check. Fuck, it was almost a 19. <laughs> Seven. I I see a couple people rolling. Yeah, Is everybody rolling? For or? me, that should be a 19. I guess we're all rolling. I got another seven. 18 for Travancore. Okay, uh, Travancore and Jonathan, you both are... Pretty positive the left route is much more traveled. And in fact, when you stand silently for a moment and listen, you think you can hear voices down the left side. I I I get quiet. I hold up my fist like a stop motion and I make a a shoot noise and I say and I do like talky that way and I sign. And what what would you like to do? So we go left. Yeah, we go left. And I, okay. I start, yeah, we start, st I start stealthing. Sneaking. All right, everybody roll me stealth checks. I'm so bad at sneaking, y'all. I tell you this right now. Oh, not today, though. I'm moderately average at sneaking because I'm a large person. <laughs> Carlton, what's your stealth check? Uh, my stealth check was 15. And Travancore and Shadow? 22 for Travancore, 5 for Shadow. And Jonathan? Uh, 12. And Bernie? 17. Okay. You are not the quietest group on the planet, but kind of as a group, you're able to slowly and carefully make it down the left side of this hallway. It once again is still being lit up by the torches pounded into the wall. The cave continues to curve to the left for about 75 feet, kind of very slightly to the left. And then just around the corner, it opens up into a, a larger area that you can see as you enter or as you start to peek around the corner. Part of it is natural and part of it has been carved out to make a larger chamber. You can see several figures in this room. There seems to also be a table and some chairs. There is uh, a couple of chests lying about. A couple of them are open and there seems to be another exit 
leading on the far side of the room, on kind of the opposite side that you've entered. As you turn the corner, you do get a chance to see uh, five figures specifically, a couple of different cultists, uh, four of whom are in the general black clothing of the cult of the dragon, all human, and a woman who is in a little bit more of an outlandish purple and black outfit. She's holding on to a, uh, a halberd and she's the person that has the, was the voices that you heard from down the hallway. She has been speaking. And as you just come around the corner, she notices you. She's kind of been addressing this group of four men and looking in your direction, sees you approach. Travancore, you recognize this voice as she calls out, Intruders! Stop them! Guard me with your life! You recognize that voice as the other voice from the two that were talking above you when you first were in Greenest in the the causeway. One of them was Langdon Joseph Sines Wraith, and the other was this voice. And as she calls out for your death, we'll end there and we'll pick up next week. Wow. As you guys have uh, discovered Frulam Mondraith and her, her little cave of cult people. Thanks for listening to Dungeons and Dragons and Drunks. Follow us on Twitter at Dungeon Drunks or at our host podcast at Glibshark or www.glibshark.com and see you next encounter. <laughs>